Hi, everybody. Nate's been a baby again. It's true. Why are you being what? such a baby, Nate? I don't know. Um, I think I was born this way. I threw my back out last Sunday, and then I threw it out again on Saturday playing in a pool tournament, thinking that I was good enough to play in the pool tournament. So that that didn't go well. I don't know. My life's just hard. My back hurts. I got to put up with you. It's nice to see Chris, though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what the? What was that? I'm just saying, I'd imagine it is. Well, yeah. Well, right. as you can, uh, as you can see from the header, uh, why are we doing a show? Well, there's really wasn't a ton that went on last week. Uh, I mean, I guess we could talk about that uh, that massive six hundred and under two hundred thousand uh, dollar pool tournament, and maybe we'll we'll bring that up uh, at some point in time. But nothing huge happened for professional pool last weekend, so we're just gonna do the podcast and. We hope you all partake and ask questions and participate in the chats. And who knows? We'll see if this works out. And if it doesn't work out, well, it was Jim's idea and Jim's an idiot. So uh, what can you do? So oh, uh, nice. as so, yeah, yeah, uh, it's good to see you, Jim. Uh, so while we're waiting for you guys to get your questions in, hopefully you get your questions in pretty soon. Uh, I will give a shout out. I normally do this at the end, but I'll do this now. Let's give a shout out to our sponsors that makes the show possible. Uh, first and foremost, Jacoby Custom Cues, which we will be watching a fantastic uh, ad here in just a second because they really do give us all of the support that we need to be able to keep the show going. So as a huge thank you to them here, watch an ad. It's great. And there you have it. That was fantastic. The exact break cue that I use uh, jumps like a dream too. So, Even when he's uh, breaking. <clears throat> yeah, exactly. So uh, we also want to give a huge shout out to Horo Tips, uh, Onboard Sportswear, Digital Pool, Salado, uh, Billiards Digest, and Insight Performance Coaching. All of these sponsors that allow us to do what we do here. All right. So uh, any questions we have come in from the uh comments it looks like i don't know something happened during that we lost them but i still have them in here so uh brett says i'll see you in des moines no i'm not going to be at des moines sorry i i thought about it but i was actually supposed to be in europe right now and that fell through so uh we made plans not to go to that um uh, i'm under let's see here oh chris is a 
fun one. Yeah. Uh, Christian McLean, how long before someone breaks 850 Fargo and who will it be? Well, let the, uh, the um, queue it up research team get on this right now to find out the current, I believe it's Josh Fillers the highest right now, if I'm not mistaken. And he's right around an 840. No, I think 835 maybe. 842. 842. Wow. So the, the top five is Joshua Filler at 842. Number two is Fedor Gorst at 837, followed by Francisco Sanchez Ruiz at 837. Uh, Shane Van Boning, 833. And Eklant Kachi at 829. So we're eight points away. Well, the easy answer here, I guess, is uh, Joshua Filler for who's going to get there first. Uh, Chris, why don't you go first? Who? How long until they break 850 and who will it be? Uh, well, if Finna, Filler can win a couple of the next Opens that come up, I'd imagine it's going to be him. That's the easy answer, isn't it? Where's Wu Cha Ching on there on the Fargo rate? Since uh, I'm fanboying on him recently. Um, he has fallen off. So he, so uh, if I'm not mistaken, and I might get this wrong, I think if you don't have any games that go into the system after one full year, you yeah. actually drop off the top uh, 100 list. So, uh, okay. Uh, yeah. So he is not on it. But, but if I remember right, I believe he was like an eight. 28-ish last time he was on here. There's um, a Wu Cha-Ching in there, and he's 525, so it can't be him. It's a different Wu Cha-Ching. Well, either that or that's from uh, his tournament at, uh, I guess, the recent uh, Spanish Open. Mm, he yeah, but he, won't get, he doesn't get 525 for that tournament, does he? No, not, not with the wins he's got. No. So <clears throat> go ahead, Chris. What do you think? I would imagine it's going to be filler. <laughs> it's, got, it's got to be filler, right? Nobody's ever been above eight fifty, no. Uh, not, with a, not with an established, not with an established Fargo. No. Well, I mean, if you want to, if you want to put that criteria on whatever. Oh no, don't complicate it. No, Nate, no, Nate, Nate let's not. Don't go there. Because <laughs> okay, there's some, sorry. there's still some Filipino guys in there that I've heard of, sort of, but they've got mad like over eight hundreds and high seven eighties, nineties, and stuff. Um, I'm not really sure how the Fargo rate thing works itself out if you're just playing in a little circle of the same people. Like, if you're just playing in the Philippines, can it be bumped up quicker than if you were playing against people everywhere? I don't know. Or is it a true reflection? I don't know. Well, the idea is it's going to be a little pool. Uh, I mean, if you exist within a a pool where none of your players go in and out, I mean, uh, then yeah, I mean, it's it's completely isolated. But if you know if you start getting mixing in with you know one player leaves that pool and goes off and plays somewhere else, well they're going to bring all of the data into the pool, right? Mm. I mean, you, I, I guess I had it explained to me as um, just look at it as like a like a, a tide pool, right? Uh, the tide pool is completely isolated until the tide rises, and then the entire you know okay. uh, ocean comes in and swarms in and mixes it all together, and it becomes part of the ocean, right? Mm. Jim, what do you think? I mean, if you look at if you if you look at the Fargo's now, they're 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 becoming more and more condensed and, in general, higher. You know, there's more players over the 800 than there's ever been, and I think that just comes from more, more data is getting put into the system with with all the matchroom events that are going on and stuff like that. So I think yeah, I think 850 is not far away, obviously. Um, and you know, if any of those guys that you mentioned at the top of the list, the likes of the 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 Phila uh, Sanchez Ruiz uh, Fedor, if they go on a big run in a tournament and they, you know, they put, 
you know, if Filler puts, let's let's say Filler plays Sanchez and he puts him in the seat and does him 9-1 at the next, uh, at the European Open. I mean, <laughs> he's Fargo shoots up then, doesn't it, Ray? I mean, if you're beating, if you're beating a, a guy that's on 8-37 and you're putting him down 9-1, that, that gives you a, that, that means you've been playing a Fargo at about 1,000, you know? Um, yeah, for that little stretch, right? So that's it. So that now, now that they're they're all playing each other more regularly and there's more data going into the system, it, it just naturally will go up. I don't even know if there's a top that you can reach uh, if no, it can't go somewhere. Um, but I, I don't see I don't see it being too long before eight fifty. And yeah, I mean, Phil's in the lead just now, but anyone around him who 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 gives him a a, a beaten one time and puts him in a the seat, then they're going to shoot up past him because it's just a massive amount of points that that, that you get for beating somebody like Filler nine one or nine two, you know. Have that happen to you right after that match, though, too. I'd be I would be interested to see what what uh, Johan Chu is, what, what what how his Fargo was affected by beating Filler nine one, you know. Um, he's played some matches since then, obviously, but just what that one match would have would do to your Fargo by beating yeah. somebody like Filler 9-1 would be interesting to know. Um, but yeah, I don't see it being far away. It wasn't long ago that the top guys were around about the 830 and now they're up above the 840, so 850 yep. will happen pretty soon as well. Yeah. Do either of you know the guy who runs Fargo, right? I thought it's two guys, yeah, right? Mike but Page. do either of you know? Mike Page. Yeah, Mike Page. Page. It'd yep. be interesting to get him on here sometime just to talk about it and um well he's been on here before talking about it oh has he wow okay yeah it's back in the archive way back in the beginning of the podcast like four years ago yeah christian christian asking again asking a follow-up who will be the next active american over the 800 i think at the moment there's just the two of them isn't there there's just shane and skyler uh shane's 801 Shane, yeah, uh, also. Mike Do we still talk about him as an active American? Yeah. I don't know if there's any professional tour that allows him to play. He can't play yeah. Predator. He can't play Matchroom. Really? Yeah, he's been yeah. kicked out of both. Oh. He's a naughty boy. I'm, okay. He says some. He says and done some. He is. He says and does some things that are questionable at best. We'll say so. The way he talks is he's, questionable he's, enough. He's burnt a lot of bridges that were then built for him again, and then he just decided to burn them again. So, ah, yeah. Eventually, so, people stopped building them again. You know. Uh, so I did have to refresh because there was something going on with the chat feature. So I lost all the the previous comments, but I pulled them up here, so I still have them. Uh, the next question comes from uh, Hector Matalvo Jr. What's y'all's take on headphones for any tournaments? I like this question, Jim. What do you think? Uh, well, you're warming up and you're practicing, then do whatever you want when you're playing a match. No headphones, Chris. I don't know. I think some tournaments should have it. I don't know why, just to disagree with Jim, but some tournaments should have, should probably have some differences in what you can and can't do just to experiment. I think, I think at any, at any time during the match, you should be able to be heard by your opponent. Oh, that's yeah, that's a good point. Sorry. Well, unless yeah, you're gonna right unless you're gonna have a ref, right? Because you really only have to communicate with the ref at that point, right? Correct, but then the referee is going to require that you can hear him. Yeah, sure. I think um, I think the test for this is, and and Matchroom doesn't actually do this, so I'll I'll start out by saying, uh, whatever the TV table is, whatever you want people to see your sport represented as, should be the rules across the board. Uh, with that being said, like I said, Predator or, uh, uh, Matchroom doesn't do this uh, because they have shot clock on the main table. And they don't have it on the surrounding arenas. They don't have a full-time ref in the surrounding. 
with that being said, um, I think that you have to live up to it. I know that I, I would like to think that eventually uh, Predator is, or, uh, Predator, Matchroom is going to get to the point where they do have that uh, as standard across all tables like Predator does. So I don't know. I, I I don't think that headphone should be allowed for professional events because I don't think that we want uh, a televised event where we have somebody jamming out to Eye of the Tiger in the corner going. Although that would that would make some, right. some pretty entertaining dances, you know. Can you right. imagine Jeffrey I mean, Luna sitting over there like jamming out to Taylor Swift or something in between innings? <laughs> but and and you know that you know that at some stage somebody's going to have somebody. It's not going to be music that's on them in their headphones. It's going to be somebody else somewhere in the hall who's talking to them and helping them or whatever. Or you know. well, I just don't. I don't. Who, what player out there? And that's that's what uh, yes to crypto says. So we can throw this up here. Uh, what player out there needs help from somebody in the moment on shot selection? Let's say let, we can't say shot selection, right? Because there's nobody out there that's going to know better than the player in the moment, how they're feeling and what they think that they can do. Right. Uh, so do we agree that shot selection isn't going to be certainly by somebody who has a chance of winning? I mean, obviously if I go out there in the ring and I'm yeah. playing against Joshua filler, sure. If I have, uh, Mark Wilson in my ear telling me shot selection or Johan Riosink uh, telling me play this. Like he doesn't, he's not really actually a big pool guy. He's more of a fundamental guy, but regardless, uh, like n- that's not going to give me the edge. It's not like I'm, I'm Mark Wilson's patterns away from beating Josh Filler. Right. So we're talking about the top, top, top guys already that have a chance. So do we honestly think that having somebody in your ear is even going to help you? Whether it helps you or not, it, it, the, the 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 possibility of it should be should not be out there. Yeah. You know, yeah. okay. it's so not just that you yeah, can you can have, you, I mean, you have certain tournaments where uh, a result in another table affects you while you're on the table. You know, you have like round robin tournaments where you're playing for a qualification, and there's another match going on on another table, and the score there. You know, is it affecting the score that you might need to have on your table? And somebody's giving you updates on how it's gone over there, and you know that kind of thing can happen. You know, it's just it's it's an unnecessary thing that, that nobody nobody needs to be listening to music while they're while, while they're playing. You know, you you're there, you you sit there, you play the game. You don't wear your headphones. Could you imagine if they started playing? You know, if if all of a sudden Rafael Nadal came out and started playing with headphones on and stuff like that, and uh, and listening to music to, to try and keep himself calm, to keep away from the, 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 the you know, it, it could be seen as um, helping your nerves. If there's a if there's a crowd watching you and there's a buzz in the, there and there's an electricity in there and it makes you nervous, you put your headphones on, you don't hear it anymore. You don't hear the oohs and the ahs and the, and I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I, no I, headphones. For amateur events, what do you think for amateur events? <clears throat> Same. I like headphones for amateur events. What does it matter? I mean, you gotta be, you gotta be respect. So I actually played, I actually played against the, I would, I would consider him a professional player. He's a 750 Fargo. I played with, uh, against him in Vegas for the VNEA masters uh, in the final eight. And he had headphones in and I tried to stop him in the very first rack and say like, uh, you know, what are you doing here? Cause he kind of just got down on a shot. That's it, it was a safety play, but there was, there's a safety there that he could have just rolled up on a ball. Uh, against the rail. And that is what he ended up doing. And I just tried to ask him, you know, like, what are you doing? And he didn't hear me because he had his headphones in and he shot the shot and it was definitely not a foul, but if he hit it poorly, it could have been close to a foul. Uh, And I basically said, you know, like, 
I got to be able to communicate with you a little bit. So he, you know, very respectfully took, he took a, one of his earbuds out and he was reachable the entire time. But I mean, that, that if you can imagine a situation like that where it was close and it was close to the final. So, you know, Hill Hill or something like that. And a big argument could ensue. So I, I guess I, I have no problem with headphones. You just got to be reachable. You got to have some way to communicate with, without chucking a, a, a pool ball at your head while you're down on a shot, I guess. <laughs> So uh, I guess let's move on from that question. On, one uh, more thing, one okay, quick ahead. one, an aside. Is it true that all the old pros complained about Shane in the beginning and made him turn his hearing aids on? Or is that just an urban myth? I haven't heard that. You never heard that, Jim? Have you ever heard that? Yeah, I think that's an urban myth that he used to turn his earphones off uh, yeah. to, stop, to stop getting sharp. Mm. It was also, I mean, he also made jokes before saying that, you know, when people say when you're playing doubles with Errol, is it not a little bit uh, distracting? And he said, no, I just have my earphones off when I'm playing, which, was, <laughs> which is bullshit as well. I mean, yeah. yeah. Um, so if you're tuning in and uh, watching this, uh, please get your, we're doing completely listener questions this time. Uh, please get uh, your questions in if you'd like to ask us something and please give the stream a share. Uh, we have like five shares right now. So let's get it up to let's, you know, we have 40 people watching. Let's see if we can get the 10, 10, 15, 20 shares. Help us out. Get us out there. Uh, let's go on to our next question. Well, I guess we didn't really answer the uh, who's the next American over 800. I mean, I, I don't actually foresee any Americans getting there anytime soon. Uh, within the next year or two. But I think the next one that's going to get there is Shane Wolford. I don't know exactly where he at. I think last time I checked, he was like right around the 870, just shy of 870. Oh, 870, that's pretty good. Um, 870 is pretty good, Nate. <laughs> oh, sorry. Sorry, 770. Did I say 870? 770. Uh, let's see here. Let me go to the top 100 in the U.S. So Shane Wolford is my guess. Uh, why can't I not find him? Okay, so yeah, he's at 765 right now. Um, players he's in between there more. that are like regular players, Tyler Steyer, uh, Josh Roberts is a 779, but I don't think he plays enough to get there. Um, Oscar Dominguez is a 780. Again, I don't think he plays enough. We're removing Mike DeShane and Justin Bergman. I think, yeah, I think uh, Shane Wolford is probably the next. I mean, Tyler Steyer or Shane Wolford, but I mean, as much as Tyler plays, you would think that he would be there by now if he was going to get there. So I, I was going to say, if, you, if 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 you've if you've been around, if you're if you've been active for a number of years, playing the amount of tournaments as ty that Tyler's played, and you're 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 hung up around the 760, 770, then the jump to 800 is going to take something, Massive. something, something, Massive. something big has to change in your game. Whereas, whereas uh, Shane Wolford is still on the upward curve at the moment, and he's got to that level, so I think he still has a way to go. Whether or not that takes him all the way to 800 or not, I don't know. But he's not topped out yet. It looks like Tyler seems to have topped out slightly, and now something else has to happen for him to take the next step. He's at least plateaued, right? He's yeah. He's plateaued. So, yeah, he can he can get there. I mean, he's got the work. Yeah, there. But I mean, it, it, it will take a change. Whereas I think Shane is still progressing to yeah. his and quickly, plateau, and, and we don't we, we don't yet know where his plateau will be. A year be ago, we were having conversations about like he's never he's definitely not making the Moscone Cup because there's no way that you could have a 720 Fargo uh, as a member of the the Team US yeah. uh, Moscone Cup team. And now, just I mean, he's jumped 50 Fargo points. That's hard to do. I mean, it's hard to do at any at any ability. It's really, really hard to do when you're already a 720, right? I mean, that's no, but those those 50 points from I think those 50 points from 720 to 770 are a lot easier than from 770 to 820. Well, they're 
equally as easy as 820 to 870? I don't believe it because no, because the winning it. What? The win, the, <laughs> what? No, nobody's because, done 870. <laughs> How can you say that? Eh? I'm saying I'm I'm saying that your point is silly because of course that's true because the jump from 770 to 820 is just as hard you even harder and then that's even harder than 820 to 870. Yeah, but that, right? I mean of I course it's not point but I was just making the point he's done he's done the jump of 50 points from 720 to 770 it's going to be a lot tougher for him to jump another 30 40 points. Sure. Just like it's even yeah. harder to do it again after that, right? I mean that's the point. Once you get, and Demetrius, Demetrius has uh, really ranted about this a lot when he was back on the show. I don't, I don't know where Demetrius is. Demetrius hates us now. He opens a pool room and all he does is that now. Just joking. But uh, I mean, he's made this big thing. Is I mean, at some point in time, you get so good. Uh, I mean, you, you take shots that to an amateur are like fifty percent shots, right? And then you take them as a pro, and now they're ninety-eight percent shots. Well, how do you improve on ninety-eight, ninety-nine? So congratulations. Every every hundred times you shoot the shot you improve one time, right? Mm -hmm. and, and you get so good at all these different skills that you're improving on them micro, like micro fractions. And when you really take that into account over the, you know, over your entire game, you're not improving enough to really have it show that easily in your game. So by the time that you get to a 770, you're damn near good at every single aspect of the game. What you're doing is you're, you're changing those 95s to 96s 97s, 98%. And that's the difference often between a 780 and an 820 is they're going to, you know, not make that mistake, but two or three times out of a hundred mm -hmm. where another player will make it five. And that's the difference. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So uh, who will be the next active player over hundred? I think I'm, I at least say Shane Wolford. It sounds like you agree with me. Uh, Chris, do you have an opinion on that? No, same, same. Okay. I agree. So like the real kin, the real kin via Twitch. What is your opinion on the matchroom versus EPA and EPBF? Uh, we did say we we're going to take all the hard hitting questions, and I, I, I'll, I'll jump on the fire first. I think that the the EPA, EPBF, and really the WPA, all of those kind of grouped into one. They've ran a sinking ship for, I don't know, 20, 30, 40 years, uh, and nobody had enough clout with financial backing to stand up to them and say, no, we're not doing it that way. Right. So this is my opinion. Of course, you obviously what, what was working before, well, obviously what was happening before wasn't working. Right. I mean, we weren't gaining any ground. Uh, all of the ground that we've gained in the last basically 15 years, uh, remove Matrim from it. What, and all of Matrim's influence, what, what has actually grown out of this industry? EPB, the EPBF is still doing the same things they did 10 years ago. Maybe they have a, uh, an event or two more on the calendar, but the payouts look very similar now to what they did 10 years ago. Uh, pff, Predator, I, Predator stuff uh, that absolutely they've grown out. Um, can you say off the back of Matchroom? You can make an argument, but I, I would say I would say they're at least organic enough. If you remove Matchroom and their influence on the industry, there has been nearly, in my opinion, no advances. Uh, nothing comparable anyway. Nothing. Even yeah. Nothing even. So now, <clears throat> so now Matchroom comes around and they they say, all right, well, uh, those with the gold make the rules, right? And that's historically been the case in everything. Whoever has the money makes the rules. EPBF, WPA didn't want to partake in that. They wanted to keep things the way that they've been doing it the last twenty years, which clearly works great. And Matchroom said, "Bumpy, then we'll just do it our own way, and you can either fall in line or you can go bye bye." And 
you know, we can, uh, you know, there's a lot of people that get really upset and butthurt about uh, the fact that Matchroom is going off and doing their own thing. But we'll see if it works. I mean, if Matchroom goes bye-bye uh, next year and takes everything that they've done with it, this might tank the entire industry. WPA, EPA, EPBF, Predator, they might all go bye-bye with it. Who knows? We don't know. But I'm willing to, I'm much more likely to uh, want to tie myself to the matchroom side of things, seeing as they've made improvements. And I don't think that you could make a serious argument that the other organizations have. I don't know. Either one of you guys want to expand upon that or tell me I'm an idiot or anything like that? No, I agree. I agree that, yeah, it hasn't moved anywhere. I didn't start playing in the pro events until matchroom came around purposefully. I didn't, I've been watching pro american pool nine ball whatever for like 15 16 years since appleton started really um and i'd never once even thought about entering an event until um matchroom came around i played in enough bad pool events in english pool um i'd even given up on that so no it's all a load of crap apart from the matchroom stuff predator looks good but the rest of it independent stuff's good but um euro till stuff like that keep it it's not attracting anybody new. Jim? Yeah, I mean, what, what, what do I add to that? I mean, Matchroom, you know, Barry Hearn is Barry Hearn. And if he wants to do something, he'll go ahead and do it. And he's not breaking any rules. He's, you know, he's stepping on a few people's toes, ruffled a few feathers, but that's what they need. What I'd like to see now is from the from the other guys to step up and say, well, you know what, if you're going to do it, we're going to do ours even better. And we're going to try and yeah. compete with you, you know, and hopefully they all push each other along. You know, I was I was almost, you know, there was talk in the beginning about Matchroom and Predator coming together and doing it all together kind of thing. I'm glad they didn't because they are the, they are the two big they are the two big guns in the business and you want them to be pushing each other to improve and improve. And you see that, that yeah, the Predator, the Predator production and the Predator uh, stuff is, is getting better and better every time as well. It's not a Matchroom level, I'll, I'll, I'll grant that, but they don't have the same resources that Matchroom do either. Um but they are improving all the time and they're trying to do the best that they possibly can. And uh, that's only good for the, for the industry and for the, for the players. So um, yeah, EPA, um, EPA and EPBF are the ones that are mentioned there. And I mean, they are, uh, I don't want to use the word irrelevant or insignificant, but they're becoming a little bit like, you know, backstage, we know they're there, but nobody really they cares. They should become the. They should focus, refocus on becoming the amateur platforms. Yeah, probably. I think they, I, th I think they will end up being that. I mean, if you look, they're going to be forced into it. I mean, yeah. Emily, Emily's announcing like 50, 52 uh, tournaments now. Yeah. I mean, there's only, there's only fifty two weeks in the year, you know. So that's the entire year full of matchroom ranking events. I mean, okay, some of them are just events that have always been there, but now matchroom have said, you know, we'll put ranking points on there. Not a massive amount. But they're they're announcing new tournaments all the time, so players are going to end up. Say, you know, the say the perfect the top top professionals, they're not going to go at the Euro Tours anymore because there'll be a matchroom event on at the same weekend somewhere. You know, yeah. so they're going to go to that instead. So I mean, whether the EPBF want the Euro Tour to be an amateur tour or a sort of a feeder tour in the you know the big show, so to speak, whether they want it or not, it'll probably end up being like that anyway. You know, um, so. I mean, Which is it's a good thing overall. It'll be a good thing overall. It broadens the foundational piece for amateurs to get into it in the proper tournaments. It'll be a yeah. good thing for everybody overall. 
Okay. Well, I think we're uh, we're good on that one. Let's move on to the next question, which comes from Brett Snowden. And we're kind of falling behind on questions, but that's that's good. Uh, what do you feel about BJ Ushery uh, sitting in the top five spot for the U.S. currently? Uh, I guess as the American, I'll start with this one too. Uh, it's neat. It'll never last. BJ has already expressed multiple times he's not interested in running around chasing, uh, I guess, matchroom points. Uh, he's not willing to travel large distances. He's not seemingly uh, willing to get on a plane and go across the pond. Uh, and at the end of the day, we are going to have others that are willing to do that, like Tyler and uh, Shane Wolford and Sky and Shane are locked in no matter what from start to finish. So it's those two. Uh, I look at Tyler and Shane as being borderline locks at this point, whether they qualify as a top three spot or not. So you comes down to the fifth spot. Um, Billy, Oscar. I mean, I, I still like the idea of a Tony Chohan getting a nod for, for fun. Uh, Josh Roberts. Is BJ Ushery in there? I, I think he's he's in there as like a questionable fourth or fifth, but I just I don't see him ever qualifying in the top three. There's just too many match room ranking points that he's giving up by not attending. Jim, okay. any opinion? No, somebody has to be in spot number five. And uh, we said it last year, we said it for a couple of years, it is absolutely wide open for anybody who's willing to make the effort and uh, invest a little bit in themselves or have somebody else to invest in them. It is wide open. And, uh, yeah, it just shows BJ Usury is there. Uh, last year, uh, um, Greg Hogue uh, was getting himself uh, up in there. Anybody, it, it's, it's up for grabs for anybody, you know. I mean, the top three will be the top three, I think. Uh, uh, certainly, we mentioned that two of them are already pretty much gone. And we're going to have, we're going to have one of them announced at the end of the UK, uh, UK Open. At the moment, it looks like it's going to be Sky. They'll get the first pick. Um, and yeah, uh, yeah, and we see. Um, it, I mean, spot five for spot like Nate said, spot five means nothing, uh, absolutely zero because um, it's a coach's pick. It's a coach's pick, and uh, it's that one was Pearl last year who couldn't, who couldn't make six balls in a row. This is, I mean, I'm. I played on that table. I know how tough that table is. I'm not. I'm not taking anything away from Earl as a player and what he can do on the table. I'm only. I'm only referring to what he did on that table last year, which was borderline nothing for USA. Hmm. I mean, he he and he was put out there more than any other player. I mean, it's just it's it was silly to pump him out there over and over and over again. I just. But that's it. So, uh, Chris, any opinion on that, or should we move on? Move on. All right, Lil Chris asks, do you think the golden break and luck factor should be removed from matchroom events so every skill so everything is skill based? Chris, go on. I think it is. Um I think there is a certain amount of skill to it. So I think we keep it. That's it. Jim. I agree. There 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 is enough skill involved in that break. And if you do uh, uh, and anyone who thinks that that the, the, the break is luck uh, doesn't understand it. Um it's nine ball. It's as simple as that. And and nine ball is that you will occasionally have shots that that just win you the rack. And I got I got no issue with it. I think the, the break is as is as tough as they can make it. Yeah. Uh, I think it works. I think it's as random as they can make it because of the way you have to hit the the pack. 
Um, and if occasionally a nine ball goes in, then occasionally a nine ball goes in. Because the way the nine ball is going in is you're, you're, you're playing the cut break, the, the cue ball is coming off the rail and across the table. Now, the angle it has to hit the nine ball in in order for the nine to go is not such a different angle than scratching the cue ball. Either way, if you're making the nine up, in, if you're making the nine in the center, the cue ball is going towards the bottom corner as a scratch. If you're making the nine into the bottom corner, the cue ball is going towards the, the 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 side as a scratch. I'm pretty sure if you were to look at the data and go back through the data, there's been just as many cue balls have gone in after hit or contacting Probably the nine than more. nine balls have gone in after contact. Probably way more. So it's it's both ways. So uh, caveat though. No hand racks. No hand racks. Never have a never hand rack. No hand rack though. The way the break is just now yeah. is, is is as good as you can get it. But uh, yeah. answer a little, Chris. Uh, no. Uh, I agree with everything you guys have said. I I want to add one thing in there because uh, when I'm at pool tournaments, uh, for the most part, if I'm around people that I know, I've become known as like the guy who has pool on. And I'll bring my iPad and I'll watch at when I'm at pool tournaments, I will have my iPad there and I'll be watching pool. So I'll be sitting at the bar. I'll be sitting in the corner. I'll be sitting wherever I'm watching that match from. And I'm, I'm well enough known now that people are like, oh, Nate's here. Uh, I'm in between matches. I got a 20 minute break. I'm going to go watch some pool with him. So I set up my iPad and sometimes I'll have six, seven, eight people at, at these events and they're watching with me. And uh, there's, I'm not trying to like denigrate anybody here. I'm not trying to like, I'm just pointing out what I've noticed. Generally speaking, the lower Fargo rate that you have, the more excited that you get about a golden break. I don't know what it is. And to jump and jump cues, you just get excited about it. There's something about it. That's like, you just, you're just happy to see it. Right. I mean, it's just an anomaly, but it's fun. Right. I look at it and I, maybe this is why Chris doesn't like it. I, I guess we don't know that Chris doesn't like it. He's just asking a question. Uh, and the, the higher rated player you get, uh, the more you're like, oh, this is stupid. They shouldn't, that shouldn't be, that should spot up. And this is, you know, start over. And this is stupid. Nobody should be able to jump unless, you know, if you hook yourself, you shouldn't be able to jump a, a ball in, right? It's, you should have to kick at it, right? Uh, it's usually the higher level players that are saying stuff like that. And it's fine. But if, when you look at the Fargo rate distribution, there are a significantly larger amounts of 400, 500 level players and even three, four, 500 level players that are watching the game than there are six, seven, eight hundred level yeah, players. Yeah, there's just more of them. There's you, yeah, there's just way more. I mean, you got it, you got to adhere to them. The game yeah. isn't going to be perfect for every single level because the lower players tend to want that. The higher players tend to want less luck because, well, you got beat by some 500 level Fargo player in your local Sunday night mini tournament and you're pissed off about it because they had three golden breaks and then jumped the ball in on you, Hill Hill, and now you're angry about it and you think that everything should be skill based. I'm the same way. Whenever I lose one like that, it sucks. <laughs> but I, uh, I, I think that I think that there's, it's an exciting thing for a lot of players, and I think we got to keep it there. So uh, we're all in agreement. Let's move on. Uh, Nate Kennis. This is Sam Henderson's stepdad. Chopping tournament finals. Obviously, this is not an option in professional events, so we're talking about amateur events here. Jim, have you ever chopped the finals of a pool tournament before? Uh, I've chopped the prize money, but we've played for the title. Okay. Chris? Same. And the chopping of prize money definitely does happen at professional At the pro level, level too. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. 
But not playing the final is different. I think that's what he's getting at, right? Don't play the final, just chop the money and go home. Yep. Is that what? Yeah. Yep. No, it's horrible. No, I did like, that on Saturday. I like when people do that. I hate when people do that. I literally just did it I, on Saturday. I've seen, I, it, I, I've seen it happen at tournaments that had a live stream. And they and they had to announce the end of the tournament. I've done it on that's that. Shame. I have. I think that's just disgusting when people well, do that. My opinion on it is I do not love the game the way I used to. I used to want to play the game all the time, day in, day out. Now I'm to the point where if I'm there at 2 a.m. or 1 a.m., uh, I don't want to be there till 5 a.m. To, to, I don't want to get home at 5 a.m. If I'm then there, lose, at, then then go ahead and lose the semifinal and let somebody else play the final. Uh, if they give me the money for it, sure. <laughs> right? No, but chop the sem- chop the semifinal money and let the other guy go through. Yeah. Don't don't win a match. Don't win a match knowing you're not going to play the next match. Don't be so selfish. Unbelievable. Well, I will. I hate when players do that. I hate when players win a match knowing that they will not play the next match. So is so is the is so what if there's nobody there? Everybody that's out of the tournament left. There's no live stream. Then do you care? If there's no live stream, then you know. If there's no live stream, then I I, I care less about it. Shall we say? Okay, sure. So uh, I have like a dead zone where it's like ten o'clock to midnight, where I will play it every single time because it's too late to do anything still. And I can still get home at like a reasonable time. Then I'm playing it no matter what. If it's so, this tournament that I played in last weekend, we finished at about nine, and the finals was about to start right around nine. I'm like, you know, that's still enough time to get something done tonight. So I'm okay at chopping. Well, the people that we were playing against in the finals uh, were also okay with chopping. It was a Scotch doubles tournament. And so we all just chopped the money up and left. Uh, At the bar that we were at, or the, the pool hall we were at, there was probably 12 people in the entire bar. So Nobody, there's no live stream. Nobody cared. I got no problem with that. Uh, but I, the heart of this is Nate is trying to get Sam Henderson to stop chopping finals. And if you're watching, this, <laughs> you plan on being a professional pool player someday. You are borderline a professional pool player right now. You're a 710 ish Fargo and flying up fast. There is no way you should not be wanting to play in every single finals tournament that you could possibly get in because every single one of those is experience for later on. You got to be able to play those. You got to you got to see all of these different types of uh, situations. You know, in the finals of a tournament, you're up seven one in a race to eight, and your opponent just came back and made it seven seven. Can you do it? Well, if you have experience in the finals of settling yourself down into the moment, you probably can. You're down seven one and get back seven seven in a race to eight. Can you not waste those last six games and get over the finish line? Well, if you if you've given up a few in the past, you probably should. Nate's not backpedaling. Nate doesn't care about being a professional pool player. Nate does not care about getting this experience. Sam should want to care about this. I want to get Nate, home. Nate, Nate used to care about becoming a professional pool player until he and then he started he a podcast. <laughs> rude, true, but rude. <laughs> so I know that's that's my opinion on it. Uh let's see, let's move on to there. Uh ah, where's the next one? Where's the next one? Um slow tables with tight pockets. JJ Fowl asks, what's your guys' opinion on uh slow tables with tight pockets? Well, I'm assuming they were slow because it was so humid and hot there. Yeah, uh, although I so. yeah, I don't I don't know. Um Chris, I mean, you're the you're the professional here that plays the events. What do you think? We'll, we'll just not. let you. 
but uh, well, you're the closest we have. <laughs> what what can you do realistically? What what can Matrim do about that? It's not going to be nice. Everybody was just struggling with the heat in general playing over there, I think, talking to people. So, yeah, it's going to make it a lot harder. They couldn't have made the pocket just a little bit bigger because it was going to have been humid in the arena. You know, they can't do forward planning like that. So, it's not nice. What can you do, though? I can, ima- I can imagine it. Would be, because I, I, I know, I mean, you were there as well, uh, Chris, the, 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 the tables at the UK Open were playing, the, the bed of the table was already playing quite slow. Yeah in the uk so you take those same tables you know you take those tables over assuming they i mean they would have changed the cloth and put new cloths on but it was still from the same batch and we, we all had our own theories about it and the the consensus seemed to be that it was maybe just a bad batch of cloth or whatever or you know um or a different batch or something it, it just felt a little bit hairier and a little bit more kind of carpety yeah. rather than clothy you know it didn't have that kind of gleam you know you you you, you put a new cloth on like the new Simonis. Uh, you you seem almost see a, a sort of a gleam on the top of it. it. Didn't seem to have that. That's what JJ's actually just said there. Because I recover my own table. JJ's got his own club. If you do yeah. pull the cloth tight enough, it does. You do end up with that sheen. JJ's saying that it probably wasn't stretched enough. Perhaps. It's and if they've done the, if they've done the same in Spain, plus the humidity, then yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, wet hands all over the all over the, the cloth all the time. Then uh, then they are going to play. They're going to play wet and they're going to play a bit slow. Um, Tell, tell it to the Filipinos, <laughs> you know, go tell the Filipinos that those tables were were, were wet and slow. <laughs> They'll laugh. Your only, option, your only option might be to have snooker table irons sitting around, turn them up to half heat and run them over the tables to take the moisture out of them. But I mean, you could I go as far, like, you could go, you could go as far to heat your tables, you know. You yeah. Just, you know, yeah. What can you do? It's going to be like that. Different conditions, different humidity. Uh, you know, if the air is not up to standard in the in the, in the location yeah. you're in, then you, you're going to struggle with it. But uh, you play on what you play on, and it's as simple as that. Everyone yeah. plays on the same equipment. That's it. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, what is the best chalk out there? The best chalk out there is whoever pays us to tell you that it's the best chalk out there. All right, let's move on. <laughs> any, any chalk hey. you want to pay us yeah yeah we're we're very viable lobby us all you want just give us that money we'll tell everyone yeah, we'll answer that we'll answer that question when somebody pays us to answer that question <laughs> exactly that's exactly right. <laughs> all right anyone else think that shane van boning uh seems to be losing some of his focus he just doesn't look as solid as he did two to four years ago europeans what do you think i don't think so I just think no. there's more big events around where he's got to play his best. There's just too many people out there that are as good, if not a little bit better, so, on, on any given week. So, no, I don't think he's lost. He's just won a world championship, like, what, 16, 17 months ago? Can't say that you think he's lost it over the last couple of years. He's still, what, fourth or fifth on the world rankings, the two-year list? Something, yeah, give or take, somewhere on like, that. I, I don't think he's lost anything. <clears throat> just because he's not dominating playing in... America every other week, you know. That's exactly it. You're people are not seeing him winning every week because he's not playing against. I'll be trying to be polite about it. Nobody's every single well, week. We now. just we just saw what Fedor did uh, for the last year playing exactly. against the same competition. How many, yeah, of those how many of those tournaments was Shane in? Uh, probably exactly two. Yeah. Exactly. So Shane Shane's was Shane's been doing what Fedor did. He's been doing it for years. Federer did it because Shane was playing all the matchroom tournaments. Now, 
Now you're going to go and play in matchroom tournaments. Nobody's going to dominate in these tournaments. There's reasons why nobody's going to dominate in these tournaments because there's a lot. There's a lot more very very good players, and it's a lot there's, more wide open. Ten Shane and referees, it. <laughs> and refer, referees are now racking the balls for you, Shane. So it makes it a little <laughs> bit tougher to win every single tournament. Oh, I think you've been talking to Jason recently, <laughs> haven't you? <laughs> no, Shane, right, has uh, lost any, well, Shane has not lost his focus. The others are just better than they were before. I mean, I I think you could say he lost his focus, but he never tried to he's never tried to hold it, right? I mean, he's he's kind of yeah, at a point in his career where he's accepted that pool isn't his life anymore. It's not his wake up, you know, thinking pool, go to bed, dreaming, you know, thinking about pool, sleep, dreaming of pool. He's got other hobbies. He's got other things that he wants to do. Uh, I bet he's still practicing hard, though. He's still one of the – wherever he is in the world rankings, top four or five. He was the world champion before last. I bet he's still playing hard. I bet he's still practicing yeah. hard. Yeah, maybe. I, yeah. Spoke to, I mean, I spoke to him in the UK. He's still as motivated as he ever has is to, to win tournaments. He still wants to win tournaments. But he accepts, and there was a conversation he had that we, we all had together with him, uh, Fed or Skyler, about you know the domination factor, about having that dominant. And he says it's impossible now. It just it's just not going to happen. That you, you can't dominate. You, you know, I think the comment was made. I think I mentioned it on the last part. There was a comment was made that you know uh, Shane always gets the. I think it was Skyler said to him, you know, you always get the TV tables, and it's easier for you later on the tournaments because you've played on you know the, the the main table like three times already. And Shane said, "Go ahead and win five U.S. Opens, and you you you'll get on there as well." Yeah. And they just sort of laughed. And Sky said, "Yeah, that'll never happen again." Just Shane went, "Yeah, you're right. It will never happen again." You know. And they all know travel that you know. Just, yeah, just, travel just became win. too easy. Yeah. Just win once. Just winning one of these tournaments once in a while is a big deal, you know. Yeah. Um, so it's even for Shane, it's it's just tough now. You know, it's very yeah, I, tough, and it's nine ball all the time. Yeah. Nine ball, yeah. nine ball, nine ball. Weird things happen, you know. Just one match. Just you just have a crazy twenty minutes. You're out of the tournament. A lot of his big wins are still ahead of him, though. They're not. It's not like he's in the. He's not finished. He's going to win more Not even yeah. close. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Uh, Tom Kosha. This isn't a question, but love the new cloth. Uh, I have lots more cloth, so I am a dealer for Andy cloth. I will say this because I like shameless plugs. If you need some Andy cloth, seven, eight, nine foot, uh, PM the. Uh, yeah, send a private message to the podcast page or to me, and we'll get you hooked up with some cloth because I still have a bunch in stock still. Uh, okay, here we go. This is this is one that drives me freaking nuts. Uh, opinion on using green chalk on bl blue cloth. Uh, either of you feel any particular way about this? Depends what the manufacturer is of the green yeah. chalk. Yeah. yeah. Certain, so we, will, we will not say so, but certain green chalk do not leave any green marks on. <laughs> you could play with a white cloth, and there will be no green yeah. on it. So I will, I will, I will say this. Uh, this drives me nuts. Um, this drives me nuts, and it, and it's not for the question itself. It's for the underlying laziness that it that it implies. Okay, so there's a lot of pool room owners that say, all right, if you're coming to play on my tables, you cannot use anything but blue chalk. If we have blue cloth and green cloth, if we have uh green chalk, right. Or, or vice versa, whatever it is, you, whatever your chalk is has to match it. Well, here we go. If you clean your tables properly, it shouldn't matter because spoiler alert, just because you use blue chalk on blue cloth does not mean that there's not a mess there. It just blends in. So you are basically saying, I want it to be blue chalk on blue cloth so that nobody sees how messy my tables are and I don't have to clean them as much. And what that really means is I don't want to do my job as a pool room owner. I'm sorry, but that's exactly how I look at it. If you're not willing to clean your chalk or cloth, at least 
at least twice a week, you're also the same person that does not want people to have different colored chalk on your cloth because you don't want people to see how dirty you leave your equipment. It is what, I mean, that's exactly how I feel about it. Maybe it's not always the case, but in the situations where I know the pool rooms uh, to do that, that's, that's the case. I mean, that, that's it. That's, that's your answer. Any thoughts? <laughs> uh, no. Okay. Nice question. Yep. All right. Uh, let's see here. What do we have in here? What do we have in here? What do we have in Nobody's here? Nobody's asking questions? any personal questions. Why are you all asking pool questions? We talk about pool every single week. Yeah. Maybe we want to uh <laughs> maybe we want to maybe we want to just talk about other stuff. All right, what's the next what's... question? Come on, cat daddy. I'm working on it. Uh here we go. This might be a fun one. Why do the Euros uh, what do the Euros do that makes them better pool players compared to the USA? Well, this, Go might, ahead, be guys. Last, this might be the last question of the day. <laughs> fundamentals. Simple. Fundamentals. It's, it's, it's that simple. Setup, pre-shot routine, and just queuing through the ball. The technique's just way better. Everybody in Europe's watched snooker. Um, monkey see, monkey do. Everybody's just copying the, the basics. Um, it's really that easy, I think. Jim, that plus we don't play handicap tournaments. I I would honestly say that. Uh, I I had a conversation. You want you, you you want you want to win a trophy? You win, you beat the best guys. You don't get a trophy for being being the least shit player in a group. Well, maybe this is a good time yeah, to bring in. This, <laughs> you know? Maybe this is a good time to bring in the uh, the six hundred and under that had a two hundred thousand. And first off, we'll start out by saying John Barton of JB Cases. Congratulations, you absolutely ran a fantastic event. Uh, first prize was fifty thousand dollars for a six hundred and under for a six hundred and under pool tournament. That is incredible. Uh, it was one twenty eight players, I believe, one thousand. Dollar entry fee was 64 or 128. I should probably know this, but I don't. Uh, I think it was 128, $1,000 entry fee. First prize, 50,000. Uh, I was talking to Dominic Dunn yesterday and I'm like, Are you watching this 600 and under? And he's like, Yeah, no, I'm not watching the 650 and under. And I'm like, What? And you know, you look into it and there's like six, six, seven, eight, nine, ten players in this that are regularly 630 to 640 Fargo. Uh, that basically just decided to take two months and dump their Fargo down to play for $50,000. Anytime you do a handicap tournament like that, that's exactly what it's going to end up being. But uh, I don't know. You, you, I, don't, I, I just don't understand the idea that we – and this isn't a, a uniquely American thing where no – there's there's incentive for you to not get better. I mean, there's absolutely there's no reason sure. to get better outside of being internally motivated to be the best that you can possibly be, because you can't play in anything. I mean, I, there's there's probably ten open tournaments a year in Wisconsin, my area, and they're on bar tables. Whatever. I mean, the entire state of Wisconsin is bar tables. I would prefer to play big table. We don't have it, so I just settle for bar tables, and it is what it is. But I only get to play maybe ten times a year, and so at a six eighty Fargo. There's no reason for me to ever play pool again outside of going and playing in professional events. I can sit here and whine all I want. If I was in Europe, I would have more incentive to play. I think that that's a, 
Is it the whole reason? I think that, uh, Chris, what you said is also pretty true. If you look at the, the Europeans, they tend to have tighter mechanics than the, than the players in the U.S. And then just because I think it's important to say, obviously the population with Europe is significantly higher than just the U.S. What is it? There's probably close to a billion people across Europe. I, I don't know this, but I would have to assume it's probably pretty close to that. You've got more active pro players. If you, you take all, so? if you take if you take all the, the federations throughout Europe and add the, the the members together, you've got more. Uh, you've actually got more pool players in America than we do in Europe. Active players at any level. Okay. Yeah. I don't. I don't know. I mean. I, no, okay. We, but we've also got. We've also got a lot. You know. We've got snooker players. We've got uh, uh, English eight ball players. You know. So loads of different things. We have got so many different games that are played, whereas you guys are are focused mainly just on. Pool. Yeah, we definitely we definitely yeah. have no English eight ball at all. Um, no English eight ball. Very, very, we very have little no snooker. snooker. Yeah. Very, very little carom. Uh, yeah. So I mean, yeah. so we've got more Q sports to split people up. But if you talk about active pool players that are uh, that are members of federations, I think somebody <laughs> calculated out and went through it. In America, are, are substantially higher uh, number of players. So Tyler, Tyler asks Tyler Steyer asks question. Uh, how can 128 amateur players sign up for a 1K entry, but the entry for pros is 250? Uh, because those 128 players are signing up for 600 and under, and maybe exactly. 12 of them are actually under 600. <laughs> They've just spent the last three months dumping their Fargo, thinking they're going in to rob the place. Well, spoiler alert, 100 other players are thinking the same exact thing. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but, but I do think that, well, uh, maybe, there's a, maybe there is a question in here. Do you guys think that 250 is too low for a professional tournament? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I think it, 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 it attracts too much dead wood. Yeah, it won't be like that going forward. I wouldn't think from next season onwards there'll be seven fifty. Well, I don't. I don't know. Let me let me ask you guys this question. I'm under the impression that there is no entry fee for golf or tennis. You oh, there is. And you're in. Is there? Oh no, they pay fortunes. They they pay an absolute fortune to play in events. Oh, do they? Okay. Oh, right. yeah, I, I, yeah. I don't know that. So for both. Yeah. 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 So what's the Tour fees or an entry fee for a. Uh, well, I guess the tour, tour fees are is everything in, in combined. Okay. Man, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I honestly, I don't. Know. I know that Emily in a, um, in a interview at some point in time, maybe like a year and a half ago, Emily said that she was hoping to get to the point where there is literally no entry fee at all, and all of the money yeah, that so players are playing for. When you when is, you get to that stage, you you will be paying a membership fee to, yeah, to right. just be. To, to just be eligible to be on the ranking. I mean, that's going to be the way it's going to go. You know, you, that, that, that's the way it's gone with them previously, with darts and with snooker, that they have then 128 registered professional players on the tour who have a tour card, you know. And I think that's kind of the way it's going to go with, uh, with uh, pool as well. There'll probably be a cap of these are, our, these are the professional pool players. The rest are outside or wannabe pool players who might have to go through Q schools. They're going to have to, you know, there'll be certain players that will fall off the 128 and other ones will come onto it from the ranking. Yeah. That's and, what they've just done with the Asian Open. So the yeah. top 128 were guaranteed a spot. The other 128 spots were open. Yeah. Um, so, but eventually that'll go up to, well, just 256 yeah. pro spots or whatever, it, whatever it may be. Okay. All right. Ready to move on. Mm -hmm. All right. Yeah. Next question. Uh, from 
Toxics Toxis 8-Ball. How long will it take before the U.S. is a serious threat to EU and Moscow and Uh Chris shakes his head like we won't be for a while, so go ahead. Uh, I think, like, over any given decade, Europe will win, like, 8 out of 10. 7 Jim? at worst. Uh... But five and a half months. I, I mean, they're a, they're, they're, a serious, they're a serious threat every, every single year. Every In a race to five, nine ball, they're a serious threat every yeah. single year. And uh, on top of that, are, are they going to win? And you would say no. Most people are going to say no. The bookies will say no. That's but serious threat, though, isn't it? They, yeah, but that's all they are a threat. They're a threat. It's a, they're a threat, but it's. Well, you're parsing, yeah, you're, you're parsing it. You're. You're, no, no, okay. 50-50, but there are. I would say, I would say this: we are so. If you look at like the last ten years, uh, Europe has dominated. The two years where they haven't dominated uh, was when the U.S. actually put up a real five-man roster. Uh, you had Shane, Sky, and Justin Bergman as a core, and the introduction of Tyler, who was obviously in the. I'm not fluffing you up because you're in the the comments. Uh, Tyler was a real fourth player. I mean, he came with the cojones that he needed to, to, to gel with that team and to make it a real roster. And then they threw in uh, Billy one year and Corey Duell one year. Uh, and that was enough. I mean, that was, I mean, that actually, no, I guess it was Justin Bergman one year and Corey one year. So it was Billy as the fourth. I mean, anytime that they could put a real five-man roster out there, they're a threat. Well, Justin Bergman, that was, he fell off the face of the earth. He now, travels uh 37 square inches from his little circle at any given time to play anyone in the world for any amount of money they want to play for but he won't travel outside of his 37 inch circle uh we don't have a real five anymore uh you know it, you know they can tyler can argue with me on this if he wants but there, there really isn't shane wolford in my opinion is the real fifth uh this year is he going to be ready very 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 borderline he might be ready and if he's ready I'll tell you what, don't sneeze on the U.S. That's a real five-man roster with Shane, Sky, Tyler, uh, Shane, and I, I guess I guess now we're, we're talking about a fifth. But I would say Billy's still, Billy's still there. I mean, that's a real five. Anytime that we can put out a real five-man roster against Europe, we're, we're an absolute threat to win it. I mean, we've been, we've been actually pretty close. I mean, Tyler is a hung eight ball away from, what was it, 11 to 7 last or 10 to 7 last year? Yeah, he's the first person to tell you that the small margins are what it's all about. Oh, absolutely. You know, absolutely. You know, but that's with Earl Strickland. Is... I mean, that's like the, the, the U.S. went out there with like four and a half players last year. I know I pick on Earl a lot, but I, 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 he's yeah. just not there. He, he's, I do. I do. Absolutely, I do. But he's just not there. I mean, he's not at that level anymore. He's still one of the best players. This Probably the best nine ball player this game has ever known. You can argue on that, and I would. I don't know. Yeah, I, I can't even say he's not the greatest nine ball player of all time. Uh, but he's not there now. I mean, he's just not. Uh, I think Shane Wolford addition to this team with Billy or Oscar as the fifth, and every single year we're we're going to be a threat. I think it's a. I don't think that we could. I don't think that we could win eleven to five. We can lose eleven to five, but we can win anywhere in between there. So, okay, uh, let's move on then. Do you think that? This is from Christian McLean. Do you think that Sky Wordward is at an elite level? Yep. If not, how long before he gets there and why? Jim? Ooh. 
I mean, an elite level. Sometimes, and that's the thing about Sky, he just doesn't do it consistently enough. And that's what we're now seeing from him now in the last two events. He has consistently done it. He's got to two semifinals, you know, um, which for me is just as much of an achievement on your lev level wise as winning one and doing nothing in the other, you know. Um, is he elite level? I mean, if I if I talk about that's elite, how you define level, elite, let's let's yeah, let's define exactly elite. How do you define elite? Let's, let's if, define if, elite. I, if I if I define elite for me, the elite players are the guys that are that are eight twenty five and above, you know, because you have a group of probably about fifteen of those guys. Now, if you're if you're if your elite level is more than like ten percent of the proper players out there, then it's too many, you know. Um, so is he elite? No, elite for me is the likes of uh, uh, Fedor, Filler, Shane, uh, Sanchez, Ruiz, uh, Jason, a couple of the Chinese guys. That's that's elite players. Is Skyler there at that level yet? Sometimes, but not consistently enough yet. No. Okay, How long so before he gets there will depend on him. So your definition of elite is basically eight twenty-five and above. Uh, what if is you want, if you want if you want if you want to use a Fargo for it, then yes, serial winners. Which, you know, well, you know, that's 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 how I would that's how I would define um, elite is are yeah. you a real threat an and not like an established, not like a, winner. An established not, yeah, not like a not like the stars align and you find a way to put together for no. one tournament. Are yeah. you a threat in and out of every single pool tournament to be a winner? Yeah. Uh, and is Sky there yet? No, I don't think he is, but he's knocking on the door. Yeah. I mean, if you make two semifinals, I mean that that by my definition puts you there i mean but that also mm -hmm. that also puts you there with like mario he right and is mario he an elite player he's he's been in every semifinals for the last i don't know 25 he's years not there yet. he's not a serial winner well i i don't i don't agree either but but is he a threat if he's if you if you if basically you might as well just start the pool tournament and put mario he in the quarterfinals i mean that's <laughs> that's how consistent he is i mean you might as well just start the tournament right there and if you're mm -hmm. one of the final eight players are you are you elite well, if you're there, every single one of them, by my argument, then you would you would have to be elite, right? I mean, there's only eight players. You only have to win three matches. And he's been in the semifinals a, a, an absolute ton, right? But I also agree with you that I wouldn't put Mario He as an elite player, even though that. So I'm contradicting myself on what it means to be elite. In and out, uh, I don't think Sky's there, but I think he's, he's showing – he's knocking on the door for getting very close. Chris? I think he can win. Um, I think – being a realistic runner to be able to win one of those events puts you in that. I don't care about Fargo rate that much. Um, I think he can win. So I would say that he's, if he's not there already, then he will be soon. Uh, Christian McLean there coming up. I disagree. Kachi is better than Sky. Uh, I mean, I don't see how you could ever possibly say that. I mean, Kachi's a two time world champion. Uh, yeah. He's won the, uh, was it the UK Open? Yeah. He just no, it was, it was yeah. it, it, Toxus eight ball that said that Sky is more elite than Catchy, and Christian is saying I disagree. Catchy is better than Sky, in my opinion. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, Catchy is definitely a better player. Yeah, I mean, yes. there's, there's no way that. Sorry, I missed the toxic. Yeah, there's no it's way. That's what we say. Catchy is an established champion. Put, put his fucking, yes. put his trophy cabinet up against Skyler's trophy cabinet. You will see a distinct difference. Yeah. Even yeah. With all the one stuff of the world pool masters, playing. he's a two-time ten ball champion. Uh, he just won one major, like a, a big one. It was, it was the UK, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. the UK, UK Open, right? one. And he lost in the yeah. final of the Masters, right? Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, that's. Yeah, I mean, that's. I don't. Sky has. Sky doesn't have anything on his resume even close no. to any of those four. I think Sky, Sky's Sky's top achievement probably all around at the Derby City Classic. That's probably, probably his top yeah. achievement. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, not saying that he's far behind Kachi at this point in his career, but I, I don't think no. he can ever say that. Yeah. No, but I, we, I talked about, we, 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 we talked about we talked about the difference being very small, minute differences, and you know, those right. players that have got that one percent on top of Skyler in every department. You know. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Hard hitting question. We'll we'll answer this one really quick. Why is Windows Open going live right now and Pinozo's watching here and not on either show? Uh, we won't talk bad about Windows Open. Uh, they had this plan. We will we talk. We will talk bad about Pinozo. We will. Yeah, <laughs> he's we will. on the plane. <laughs> the thing that I, I will say this: the thing that the thing that Molina Mike does for this industry is unmatched by anybody, including us. I mean, what he does, I don't even know how he has so much time in the day. The guy is an absolute goddamn legend. If you don't follow Windows Open, get over there and do it because the guy is absolutely incredible with what he does. I don't know if he has a team behind him, uh, like behind the scenes that helps him, or if he just like a complete one man show, but. We're not going to talk bad about them. They are absolutely amazing with what they do. We're all trying to uh, to help this industry. They feel the same way. We're all just trying to, you know, raising uh, what uh, a rising tide raises all boats. That's what we feel, and that's what we uh, try to live out. So nothing wrong with them going live at the same time. We want to try to avoid it, but this was scheduled on both sides. There's nothing we can do about it this time. Uh, why do you think that uh, Ape? Ball is this well? Why is nine ball so widely popular when eight ball is a standard and requires more pattern knowledge? Because nine ball is a significantly faster game. That's my opinion. Another reason if you try and stream a match of eight ball, try and stream a table playing eight ball, you need a hell of a bit. You need a, a, a real a proper lot camera setup. Yeah, you need a you need a, a real good camera setup. You need it to be crisp and sharp. Uh, whereas nine ball, you just need to see the colors of the balls. Yep. Eight balls a lot more difficult to you, you know you need a much better equipment to be able to to stream matches. I've never heard that argument, but and you got to have a lot more angles, right? Because you got to see if yes. balls are going to go. Yeah, I'm, I've never heard that argument, but that is absolutely fantastic. I like that, Chris. Eight ball on American tables is just way too easy. <laughs> I, I don't think it's watchable. Uh, if I'm being honest, I don't think it requires more pattern knowledge either. Eight ball on Chinese eight ball tables or English eight ball tables requires way more pattern knowledge than what it does on an American table. They're not, the games aren't even the same, I wouldn't say. Jim, you've played all of them. The games aren't even the same, are they? Uh, no, the games aren't the same. But you, well, you, I mean, you need a bit of pattern knowledge if you want to make it easy for yourself, but you can rescue yourself a lot easier as well. Yeah. It becomes more important on the Chinese eight ball and on the English pool because you can't get yourself out of trouble quite yeah. as easily there. Uh, whereas it's, it's real, relatively easy on a on a four and a half inch pockets to get yourself out of trouble playing eight ball. Um, Carl Boyce said it as well. It's a, you know, eight ball, he, he, Felt he felt, shall we say, in the past that eight ball was the best game for pros to play because you only ever got one chance. But that's also another way of looking at it. Yeah, that's a good way of looking at it. And sometimes you, you only get one chance, one mistake, yeah. and you lose a rack. There's nothing that you can do about it, you know, because the game is that easy. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there you go. Okay. Next question Ed Ladawi, owner of Sandcastle Beards. Does anybody believe we've lost a true beauty? Of nine ball with fast rails, slick cloth, tight pockets, better balls, and template racks. Chris, what do you think? No, I don't know. I think I think it's better now than it. Saying that, I never played when it was giant pockets and all of the other stuff. I watched a lot of it, but I haven't. Um, I haven't played a lot of it. I don't think it's lost anything. I think it's gained. Jim, 
no comment. No, I've got no opinion on it because it doesn't matter. Uh, the, I mean, what is the true beauty of nine ball? Yeah. I mean, well, the same argument as, you know, did we lose the true beauty of golf with these giant drivers and we're not using wood drivers with the face of, you know, a nickel and, you know, it's, it just is what it is, right? I mean, technology is going to drive things forward and ask a single player if they would rather go back to the way things used to be. And the only people that are going to say yes are the people that can't compete these days. Yeah. And they could compete before. When... I don't know. I, I just don't. I, I don't... Game, the, the, the game's evolved. Every game needs to evolve. But if you want, if you want those playing conditions, you, you can get those playing conditions. They still exist, and they can still exist for insane amounts of money. You can play for whatever you want on the slowest rails with the crappiest cloths and the big pockets and terrible balls and no template rack. It's called the Philippines. Mm. They do it every day, every yeah. single day. They do it because they don't have the you, greatest equipment over there, and they do it every single day. It, can you imagine you if go they still there, play it? <laughs> you can yeah. do it. <laughs> I mean, can you imagine if they still played football or soccer? Sorry for you, for, for you, Nate. If they still played soccer with a a, a pigskin ball that got soaked, that, that that was that weighed like three kilos when it got wet, you know. And I mean, sport evolves, you know. Technology what? evolves sport, and uh, like any other sport, technology has come into pool, and you know the balls are just uh, the better quality balls, better quality cloths, better quality cues. You can't you can't tell Roger Federer he has to play with a wooden tennis racket just because people think yeah, that right. you know that was the way it was should have been played in the first place. I mean, yeah, yeah. Okay, uh, let's see here. Uh, Nate, Nate Sensei Pool. Nate plays pool. Uh, I might just need some cloth. I'll message you. You got it. Like I said, I sell Andy cloth. I got a bunch of it right now. If you need seven, eight, or nine foot cloth, shameless plug. Message me. I'll get you hooked up. All right. Uh, why don't the WPBA prioritize streaming the top female players' matches rather than the matchers' lesser skilled players? Hard to increase attendance, viewership with unknown players. Sounds like one for Chris. <laughs> uh, I'll take it on. I don't care. Uh, it depends on it depends on what you're trying to do, right? So the WPBA is around for the long haul. I would like to think that they've been around for the longest time. They're probably the longest tenured uh, organization, maybe in the world. How long has the EPBF been around? Uh, I don't know, maybe the nineties. Okay, so the WPBA has been around at least that long. So they might be the longest tenured actual women's or anything uh, pool entity at this point. I mean, as far as like uh, running stuff. Uh, obviously, there's cute companies and. Simonis and Aramith, whatever. But as far as like actually like organizers and stuff like that, they're, they might be the longest tenured in the entire world right now. They're obviously around for the long haul. Uh, part of being around for the long haul means not only highlighting the flashy players that you're going to have, but also building the next generation of players. We know good and damn well that the top players are going to be there at the end. We really need to watch Kelly Fisher in the first three matches. Uh, probably not because she's going to be there at the end. We're going to get to see all we want of Kelly Fisher. She'll be there. We promise. She'll be there. We'll get to see her. Do we have to watch Allison Fisher? No, she'll be there at the end. I promise. It's, we'll get to see her later on in the tournament. Let's see uh, Sophia Mast or Bethany Tate or Savannah Easton. Let's see these players because they might not make it around and they will be around for the next twenty years. So let's let's start building a profile for them now. I mean, if they're playing if they're playing like matches with uh, I don't know uh, Heidi Grudelbear, uh, who's seventy five years old and has been playing on the tour for forty years and still isn't above. Uh, 300 Fargo. Sure. We don't need to see that match. I, I agree with that. I, I don't know that that's what they're doing, but 
how uh, does anything that, how does anything that you said make more people watch uh because you have to build your business model for the long haul no right how does it make them watch there and then not for the future how does it how does it make them watch there and then well, uh, seeing Kelly Fisher all playing over and over and over and over and over again, playing on the stream, uh, you know, the Shane Van Boning, he's on the stream six times in a row. Uh, Why is that? Because people tune in to watch. I, I understand that. But but uh, in 10 years from now, when Shane Van Boning doesn't play anymore and you haven't built a, you haven't built a profile for any player in the last 10 years because you hasn't seen them play. Uh, all you're doing is sabotaging yourself in 10 years by not having anybody. You got to build profiles at the end. There'll you have to build better, profiles. You're, there'll be a next better men's player coming along. My you're worry missing, is, you're, stuff is there's not. There's not you're missing player. the main point on the, the business. The Savannah Easton absolutely is no. going to be a star. <laughs> she is. You're missing, you're, Everybody you're, loves you're, her. You're, 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 missing, you're missing. I mean, if you're a, if you're a company and you're you're looking for ratings, you're looking for people to to, to, to tune in. Let's just take Matchroom, for example. I mean, this question, they're, they're mentioning female players. This is not about female players. This is just about pool in general, in my opinion, about anybody who's going to be broadcasting pool in any shape or form. Estonia did not get into the World Cup of Pool. And I'll be completely blunt with you. Why Estonia did not get in the World Cup of Pool? They do not have a bigger, big enough population. Estonia is a small country. <clears throat> now, if you're Matchroom, and you're going to be putting players onto the, the live stream, you're going to pick countries that have got a large population that are going to give you large viewership figures because people will tune in to watch their home players. That's just the way sport works. You know, if you tune in and it's a guy that, that, that is from your country, you probably, well, so I've never heard of him before. Oh, this, this is somebody from my country playing pool kind of thing. You'll, you, you're more likely to continue to watch it. Now, let's say there's somebody from Argentina who has got access to the, the live stream of the pool and they don't know anything about pool. They don't care if it's Kelly Fisher or Alison Fisher because they just don't know who they are. But if it's an Argentinian player, they may just decide to keep watching for a while because, oh, it's a big pool tournament, never watched this before, and it's an Argentinian, they've automatically got somebody they can support. So they're more likely to tune in. Now, if I'm going to be, if I've got a major tournament going on and I'm going to be choosing who to put on my tables, I'll be looking at what country are you representing? Do they have a large, is there a large pool community within that country? Am I going to get viewership figures? And then I don't really care at the beginning of the tournament when there's 128 players still in. Like Nate said, I'm going to get Jason on there at some stage, or I'm going to get Kelly and Allison on there at some stage. I'm going to get Shane on there at some stage. I don't need them in the first couple of rounds. There's going to be plenty of opportunities. Let's see what kind of viewing figures we can get from different areas around the world. And that's the way Matchroom are doing it with theirs, I'm pretty sure. And that's the way I think the WPBA, Predator, whatever, that's the kind of the way they should be looking at it as well. Let's see the viewership figures and see if we can create audiences where we know there is a, a demand for the game. Now, Matchroom have all their figures coming in from every single tournament, from every single country, from every single broadcast, so they can see where their hotspots are. And they can see which places they... That's why they've gone to Thailand. They notice there's a massive amount of, uh, of people watching from Thailand. It makes sense for them to take their product there where there's a huge demand yeah. for the sport, you know? So they're taking all these figures and they're making their business decisions based on that. And the, 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 the biggest factor for them within their business model is how do we expand worldwide? viewership figures because we have to we want to go to other broadcasters eventually they want sky sports to be taken on six days not just the last two days 
Now, if they're going to the if they're going to the business table with Sky Sports saying, "Look at these viewing figures. Look what we are getting from these countries the entire time." That's what sells their product to Sky to get better to get more. So it's 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 not about skill. I don't think lesser skilled players. They have to create a product. They have to be able to create the brand and to expand it. That, in my opinion, is what happens. I agree. Okay, uh, how many games? Ryan Harmson says, how many games have been played on Nate's new table? Well, there would be a lot more if my back wasn't up for the last week and a half. So I probably have 150 games on it right now uh, in the last three weeks since I've had it set up. But like I said, I threw out my back last week and I'm still recovering very slowly. So, owie. Uh, Clint Hines asks, uh, just jumped on any comments on the $1,000 entry fee? Yes, we talked a little bit about it earlier. We won't bring it up again, but yes, it is in there. Uh, just in briefing and passing Christian McLean asks who wins Jim or Nate getting the last two. This is a fun question. Uh, cause Eagles are going to get involved. I think on a big table, I think Jim wins, uh, still on a bar table. I think the last two makes me win. What, what do does it mean? I, I don't get it. What's the question? The last uh, me, again, me against me and Nate gets eight in the nine. Oh, oh, see. if we're playing 10 ball or seven and eight, for right, playing eight right. ball. or uh, nine ball. I think on a, a bar table, I just I or on, a, on a big table, I just don't have enough experience on them. And Jim only plays on big tables, and for the same exact reason, I think that I would win on a bar table because of that. Can if I, tell you I mean, it, I, I don't only play on big tables. Well, you have one literally four feet from you. Huh. It's not the one I play. My, that's not the one I win my tournaments on, though. Are you? Well, are you playing the marbles? No. Is that what we you guys have, call it? The we, marbles. We, we, we marbles, yeah, baby ball. We have we have the equivalent of bar box tables over here. Oh, do you but really? We, we 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 just don't have four inch pockets on them. They're like three and a half inches. With the full size balls. Yes. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay. Well, you say well, then, I, and, I, and I and I and I could I could turn my camera here to the to my. It's a six foot. They're actually six foot tables. Are slightly smaller, and show you my Dutch championships, if you like to have the last, <laughs> if you would like to have the last, if you would like to have the last two on your four and a half inch pockets on the same table, then I'll be more than happy to give you the last two. Mine are four and a quarter. Four, oh, at least. All right. Then. <laughs> <laughs> Mine are at least four and a quarter. Uh, it's probably, probably Jim wins. Uh, probably Jim wins on the nine foot. I, I at least hold my own. It's probably pretty close on the bar table because that's all I play on. But definitely Jim wins on the big table. All right. Uh, let's see here. Um, um, what else is in here? Um, lots of just talking, less questions. Probably should have, uh, I got to start doing this in ahead of time, right? I saw a lot of questions going through. Can I not, I can't do anything here. No. Oh, wait a minute. I can't hear it. Uh, there we go. Who wins Jim and Nate? Uh, uh. All right. We already did that once. Okay. Um, this is, this is absolute, uh, podcast gold. <laughs> fun for everybody else 
Well, this is good. I mean, that means everybody's partaking in the comments. Yeah. Uh, there's little, there's little, little Chris. Where do you draw the line between luck and skill? For example, if an amateur breaks and runs a rack for the first time, is it luck or skill? If it's considered luck, when does it become skill? When you can repeat it, I guess. Mm -hmm. I, I, I guess it's it's when you, skill when, when you when you don't run around the room high five and everybody because you've just broken <laughs> one. <laughs> <laughs> and it doesn't go straight to Instagram still. posts. When, 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 you are, when, you, when you are no longer as surprised as everybody else <laughs> that you managed to do it, then you could call it skill. <laughs> That's funny. That's funny. I, I would say, I mean, it's skill if it's skill if you actually know what you're doing, right? I mean, if you're just going up there, I mean, and we saw that, uh, what's that? There's like this, it's an overhead view of like these three guys playing pool and there's like four balls left on the table and they're playing nine ball. And this guy just whacks the ball as hard as he can. And it like goes off of like four cushions and goes in. And then he goes up and whacks the ball again. And it goes off like both knuckles of the side pocket and then ends up going into the corner. And then he whacks it again and goes like five cushions and goes straight into the heart. And then he whacks it again and it goes like six cushions. And he basically he flukes every single ball. He has no idea what he's doing. He just blasts it, right? I mean, that's obviously luck. It's luck compounding over and over and over again. But, I mean, if he plays that shot and then plays the next one and then plays the next one, obviously that's skill. I mean, it, it's luck adherently when something happens or an outcome of what happens that uh, wasn't planned for. And it's skill when you plan for it. So, I mean, if you break and run your first ever rack, but every single shot is exactly what you were trying to do, obviously that's skill. Right. I mean, you can play your patterns to where you have luck built into them by, you know, playing correct uh, lines off of cushions to where you have longer areas to land into. Uh, you can play your patterns in eight ball to where you have some air. Uh, to margins where, like, for if, error, if you're trying yeah. to get onto yeah. huh? margins for error, you're saying. Yeah. 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 Margins for error and like playing, you know, I'll often play eight ball where I'm trying to get onto this ball but I'm playing it in an area where I might be able to get onto this ball, which is a bigger problem ball, but I'm not really trying to get onto that ball. But if I get onto that ball, sweet, uh, you know, is that luck? Well, I, I, I think now you're, you're, you have planning skill, right? Uh, I don't know. It's kind of a weird question, but I guess that's the way I look at it. Anything, Jim? No, I think you pretty much covered everything. I mean, yeah, I mean, you know yourself. You know, yeah, yeah, you, know right. you, you know within yourself whether or not you've played it. I mean, you see you see players going mm -hmm. up to the table and they'll put the cue on the on the table, marking where they want the cue ball to be, and it goes it doesn't go anywhere near there. <laughs> you know, and they and they still run out, and you think, well, you you know, you're happy that you've run out, but you've basically shown me with every single shot and the preparation for every single shot that you're way out on where you were <laughs> intending to be, you know. So um you know yourself whether or not you've played it out the way you intended to play it out or whether or not you've had to recover, you know? And the, the less that you're having to recover, the more skillful you've become. So yeah. that was that. This is a fun question. Christian McLean asks, Asian versus Europe, who are on the teams and who wins? Uh, okay, how about we do it this way? This will be a fun way. Uh, Jim, you're European. Uh, I'm now Asian. And Chris, you're the judge. Okay. I'm going to give you my five. Jim's going to give you his five. And you're going to tell us who's the winner. Okay. Joe has. Are we, go, are, we, are we going one for one, are we? One for one. You want to go first or second? Well, I'll go first, Phila. Okay. Uh, I will take Coping Yi. Sanchez Ruiz. Uh, Wu Cha Ching. Fedor Gost. Cheng Jung Lin. 
<laughs> I'm already losing it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, who have I had so far? Uh, Federer, of course, uh, FSR. Oh, it's tough. He wants to. I know who I want to. I, I know he wants to pick Kachi, but he doesn't want to destroy his team, and he wants to pick Jason because he doesn't want. Jason hey, well, yeah, he wants to say exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I want to pick Jason, but I don't think he's. I, I, he's just not quite there, and I, and Kachi is there, but I don't want to pick him. <laughs> you want me to go first? You want me to go first? It'll help you out. No, no, go. Jim's got to go. No, I'm, Jim's no, go. I'm, I'm, I'm go. gonna, I'm gonna take Jason, Dennis or Coyo. Kachi, Aloysius, yep. Oh. Um. First of all, where's it getting, first of all, where's it getting played? It'll have to be getting played in America. It's neutral, right? It'll have to be Turkey. played in America. Istanbul. Vegas. Getting played neutral. in Istanbul. <laughs> <laughs> of all the that that pool hotbed. <laughs> well, it's right in between, right? <laughs> yeah, it is right in between. It's, it's right, right in between. Right on right on the border of the Asian European part of the <laughs> Well, Turkey. it's right yeah. in between. Where do you want? You could do it, you I'm, could do it in the, you could do it in Russia right on that border as well, if you yeah. like. I've taken Europe because I think Nate left out too many. Left out too many? Yeah. Yeah. Who? Medium cup. No, Little Co. Wu Kun Lin. Um, and there's probably like a shed load of others that I can't remember, but those they're the first two that come to mind. I got to pick five players. I know. I know. But you didn't pick the right so, five. So who are, you, who are you taking Pitbull. off? Who are you taking off? Oh, oh, you left him off. Oh, you left him off. Who are you taking off? Well, I wouldn't take anyone off, but you got you left him off. I was neutral. I was neutral. If I'm being perfectly honest with you, a race, a race to five Moscone Cup style, I'd take Dennis off. Yeah, I probably would as well. Dennis isn't a short race player. Sure. If you told if you told me to take if I had to take one player off and replace, I would replace Dennis with uh Coping Chung. That's who I would replace. I don't think Dennis is a short race player. Or Johan Chua. Johan Chu or Coping Chung, one of those two. Yeah. Look, God, Christ, the way Chua played at the World the, the, the World Cup of Pool. Jesus Christ. Emily Fraser said, though, they're going to have the Moscone Cup winner play Asia. Did she not? Or did I imagine? Yeah, that is what they want to have. year, but it's eventually. I think, well, I don't think she's going to hang around. I think it'll happen. Like, Can we go back to year? how dumb your statement just was, Chris? Who, Jim? Yours. <laughs> I can't, I, I got to go with Europe because Nate left too many players off. Well, who you are you going to take off left, in his place? You, you did. You well, left too I don't many out. I don't, I, don't, I don't know who I am. I don't know. You left who too you, many out. I have five team. spots, bro. I have five spots. <laughs> no, you're no. You picked the wrong team. Unfortunately, you're sacked. <laughs> see Emily. Right. See Emily. If you're watching, if you're watching Emily. This All is right, Chris is off the team. He is Moscone Cup captain because I Chris win is... before before a ball's even been hit. <laughs> Chris is no longer uh, Chris is no longer on the podcast anymore. Okay, well, who's your who's, who's your right team? Here. I win before a ball's even been hit. You pick five, Chris. Who's your team? Because I think for that's who? fun, Jim. Same thing, but who's your five? For who? For who? For Asia. Oh Jesus! Um, well, mine was so wrong. Okay. Should, this should be easy for. <laughs> All me. right, chill out. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Chua, Big Co, Little Co, Wu Cha Ching, 
and um, Dan Thingy Majig, who won the Spanish Open. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. Okay, so you don't like Aloysius Yap, Chang Jung Lin. I, I didn't say I didn't like them. I'm just uh, Chang Jung Ling, I think amazing. He's just been he just hasn't hit it the last few events, but he will. I don't see him particularly as a short race player either. Maybe, maybe not, no, but I mean the way other players talk about him. Like mm. players way better than that, you know, like top guys. The way some of them talk about him, mm. I, I, I haven't heard any. I, he's as well regarded as maybe anybody else from Asia, to be honest. Yeah, he's a monster. He's, a beast. he's also he also has shot uh, probably the single. Uh, he shot the dumbest shot I've ever seen a pro shoot in person. Which is funny. Oh, in person. Yeah. He's he has by far shot the stoop, in my opinion, the stupidest shot I've ever seen a pro shoot. Well, it was Hill stupid. Hill. It's gonna be pretty stupid to beat fucking Carl Boys' eight ball in the, the Masters. <laughs> no, 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 no. Shot selection. Shot selection. Shot selection. Okay. Shot selection. So he's playing Aloysius Yap uh in the semi uh the the final three. It's the final three at the Sandcastle Open last year. Uh, and Aloysius plays a safety, gets out of line, plays a safety, and the nine ball was on the spot. Uh, yeah, it was on the spot. The cue ball was on the second diamond on the long rail, and the eight ball was on the second diamond of the other long rail. So the nine ball is basically perfectly in between the eight ball. So uh, Chang Jung Lin and, and the eight ball was frozen and the cue ball was basically frozen. Aloysius plays a pretty good shot. Goes, it's, it's a very common snooker shot, right? Off the break, uh, on the, when you're playing the black, uh, you go second diamond to second diamond, but he had the nine ball in between Chang Jung Lin, instead of kicking at the ball, jumped over the nine ball, jumped over a full nine ball and tried to bank the eight ball and shot the cue ball straight off the table. Hey, I mean, there's not a lot of good hits that you can get. There's not a lot of good hits that you can get going kicking at the ball. I understand that, but there's not a lot of good hits that you're going to get out of that jump shot either. And you bring in the, the possibility of fouling. You jump bank on like a ball that's frozen to the rail. I mean, I just don't see how that's even, that's less than a 5% shot to begin with. And the scratch is completely there and possible. I he must have played it for a reason. I, I don't know. I mean, I, yeah. I walked up oh, to Aloysius. At, I went up to Aloysius after the match and I talked to him like, did you see that shot coming? He's like, I have no idea why he did that. Uh, I would have never shot that shot. Uh, I don't know. I, I mean, it's Hill Hill, and any foul is going to – I mean, you kick at the ball, maybe you get lucky. Maybe you fluke it in somewhere. I don't know. I, I feel like fluking that ball is about the same probability as jump banking it in, and you don't have to worry about scratching or fouling. At least banking at the length of the table. Anything coming underneath the table, going no, above no, did, it. Did, did bank it the length that you, you lost me when you were explaining the map. Did did, did he have to oh. bank it the length of the table? No, the nine the, the nine the nine was split in the cue ball and the black. The cue ball and the black are on the second diamond. The nine was split in them. Oh, on either side. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I think that's a, I think that's reasonable now. So he's he's, he's jumped he's, he's jumped short side table. Oh, I I I think that's reasonable. You think that's reasonable? I don't. I, well, I, what are you going to do when you kick at it? I don't think it's as hot. When you said it before, I thought it was something different. It's not as bad as what I thought. I mean, it's four and a half feet, and you have to jump it. 
uh, three feet and then land it either at three feet and let it bounce out or you need to land right on the eight ball. The the distance that you have to jump to go over the nine, the cue ball is is almost always going to be in the air when it contacts the eight. The only way you can play play that shot is if you're good enough to land the cue ball directly on the eight. With 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 outside spin because the nine ball was pretty much he frozen to the rail or the eight ball is pretty much he frozen to the rail so you have to you have to jump land on it with outside spin to throw the ball enough to give it a chance at banking in. Mm. I, I don't. Right, know. Next I, question. Okay. Anyways, yeah. Um. So yeah, that was just like a a little tangent. Uh, I don't see anything in here. Um. I also, I mean, just just because uh, just because Jim mentioned this, uh, Asian. Oh no, not that one. Oh, I pinned it. I don't know what I don't know what I did with it. Well, Christian McLean basically said he hates it. Oh, here it is. He hates it when people point at the table where the cue ball is supposed to be. I hate it if you can't hit it there, or with any like, if 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 you put if you put your tip down on the table, and then you're like ten inches away every single time, it's like it just gets pretty cheeky, right? Um, the funny, the, the the funny one, the funny ones are the ones that put their cue, they put the tip tip of the cue in about four different positions, and then go and hit the shot, and then when it lands anywhere near one of them, they look all happy. <laughs> yeah, right. uh, so they look up, going, "Oh, you're there, 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 there," and then they hit the ball and go, "Yay!" <laughs> like, yeah, okay. I guess Could just a, talk to Staple asks, uh, "What would I have done?" Um, I, I mean, I don't think I'm not saying like there's a like the a super obvious shot out of this. I'm just saying that if the chance you're basically shooting a shot that is like less than five percent to begin with, whether you're kicking at it, whether you're jump banking it, whether no matter what you're doing, your probability of making the ball is like five percent. Let's so let's just start there. Whether you're kicking at it or whether you're you're jumping at it, uh, one of them is a very very obvious foul ball in hand, and that's when you jump the cue ball off the table, which is exactly what he did. The kick at it at least doesn't have that risk in the, involved, right? I mean, you could you could end up scratching off, but you could scratch off of if you hit the the jump bank perfect, you could still scratch, right? So the chance of you scratching or let's say give or take about the same, the chance of you jumping that cue ball off the table is like fifty percent on that shot, if if not higher. So fifty percent of the time, you're just gonna foul automatically. I you I just in my mind, you got to kick at it and just hope for the best. I mean, there's no good option, but why would you take the chance of like a fifty percent ball in hand there? Uh, but anyways. That's that's we'll we'll leave that in the past. Um, hi Chris, he's back. Let's see here. I think that's I think that's about it. I think that we're no, all. There's one, there's one good here from Sensi. What would be what would do more for pool? A big oh, movie like Color of Money or a big documentary series like Breakpoint, Full Swing, F1 Drive to Survive? I think I think you could make. I mean, Full Swing is the one they did about the PGA Tour when the live all start and stuff. I watched that brilliant series. I think they could do an absolute cracker if they got the correct pool players and the correct characters. I think they could make an absolute cracker of a series about pool. I think it would be amazing. But again, it's not big enough for anyone to take it on, really. You want to know what they would call it? Red Norden Training Center. Red Norden! <laughs> no, no, but I think it, I'll tell you I what, that'd be awesome, actually. Greg Hogan Greg Hogan is like... Greg yeah, has a way movie, of making people love him. Yeah, the movie thing. The movie thing's been done. Uh, I think a, a documentary. I think something. What? Let, let, let's get inside. Let let people get inside the minds of the the pool players and their daily life and how difficult it is to be a pool player. 
you know, a little bit of uh, an idea, a look into the the, the insight of the, the, the daily life of a pool player, all the travel and living out of a suitcase, the amount of tournaments they go to and all that. It's not just about what you see on the camera when they're shooting balls in. And, you know, there's, it's a horrible life, to be honest. It's a struggle for 99% of people yeah. on the tour, I'd say, to be honest. But the UFC do some really good things. I can't remember what it's called now. Um, you know, training camp stuff before tournaments and the build-up to uh, the fights and things. Match them, do some good boxing things uh, along the same line. Um, mm. It'd be good if they did something like that. Jersey Shore. Yeah. With Earl Strickland, Greg Hogue, Nayuki Oi. Jeffrey Love Lord, Island. <laughs> Jason, Jason Shaw and Sky Woodward. Yeah. It'd be perfect. But I mean, I, there, there's enough characters in there. I mean, uh, uh, Naoki Oi's name's just been mentioned there. I mean, oh, there's enough Jonathan characters. Huh? And Jonathan Hennessy. Oh, yeah. yeah. And Mario well, He. They love each other. There's enough characters in the game that you could, you could make something quite interesting, quite watchable, yeah. I think, if you got the right people. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I mean, why not? I, I but I agree with the documentary. Like something with like the the Queen's Gambit, but with pool. It doesn't have to be real, right? I mean, just just something like that. I think that'd be yeah. You could do a series, but I, I like the idea of I, I like the idea of the, the 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 actual players, the stars of our game. You know, getting on the TV, you know, and 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 actually being promoted out there as as as, as sports personalities. You know, not pool players. You know. That's where they need to be. But you, you, we need to the, the, these guys need to be respected and seen as actual sports personalities and not just you know gamblers in smoky little rooms. You know. Yep. yep. Okay. Well, uh, any questions that you guys have? Anything that you guys want to talk about? Don't know. We've been on here for an hour and forty minutes, obviously uh, already. I thought we got. I thought we had some quite interesting questions. Yeah. Thanks to everybody for joining us and uh, giving us something to talk about. I hope we give you some some reasonable answers that we didn't bore you too much. And give I us some feedback. Was... Tell us if you like this. Uh, if you like this, I mean, this could be something we could do in the future. Uh, if you didn't like it, tell us why you didn't like it. Yeah. Uh, I don't. know. I mean. We're always I thought, it was, actually, content, I thought so. it was actually quite a friendly. I thought it was quite a friendly crowd as well. I didn't. I, I was expecting some more hard-hitting questions or some, uh, you know, some personal stuff. But they, they kept it quite friendly. We've got nice public, Nate. Well, I, I don't. I, I mean, I think that uh, I think the EPBF in the matchroom, WPA and matchroom mm -hmm. thing. I mean, that's 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 a hard-hitting question. But I think it's it's becoming less and less and less political as the days go on because the. EPBF and the WPA continue to do nothing but tread water and the matchroom continues to innovate and add to their calendar. So what can you really, you know, what, what's the discussion at some point in time, mm -hmm. treading water or innovation? Uh, I mean, that, that could, that could be a little bit more controversial, especially, you know, six or seven months ago. Yeah. All right. And then, and then, uh, yeah, I guess Ed's trying to get us to talk bad about Windows Open. So rude. So rude. No, that wasn't even really either. Uh, I don't know. I was, I'm a little disappointed that I didn't get to talk about my love affair with my cats. So nobody asked that question. That's kind of a bummer. Yeah, you're... It's an I'm surprised you didn't create a burner. An amazingly inappropriate relationship with your cats. I'm honestly, I'm really surprised, Jim, that you didn't create about six burner accounts and just go in and just like start <laughs> asking questions like that. 
<laughs> you got your wife in the in the corner, be like, "All right, ask it now, honey. Ask it now." <laughs> I don't know. All right. Uh, well, I'll give a shout out to Jeff Potts. Congratulations, he had uh, seven thousand dollars out of the break pot last night. Don't let the IRS find out. Big money. Uh, I don't know. I guess should we uh, should we sign off today then? Yeah, it enjoyed it. Thanks a lot, guys. Yeah, it was fun. All right, we'll give a shout out real quick to our Patreons that allow us to continue doing all of this hard, hard work. Double Dave Q's, Dave Wiersma, Mo Bashir, Cody Wedig, Ed Ladawi, Matt Poland, and Morgan Lupton. If you would like to uh, contribute to the podcast Patreon in the future as well, uh, you can do so in the link in the comments. Uh, I guess I should probably tag that at some point in time in the future, but it is always in the description of the video down towards the bottom. And you can help us continue to do these things and allow us to continue innovating in the industry. So uh, we thank you for all the people who do that now and uh, will in the future. And I don't know, let's tune off. What do you guys think? Jeremy Gould, the same question uh, that we said for the chalk. What is the best carbon fiber shaft on the market today? The best carbon fiber shaft on the today is the Jacoby 4.0. Not only because they pay us to say so, because it actually is. So anybody else wants to figure out those things, just find out who pays us. They're the best because they give back to the industry. There you go. But it is actually extremely, extremely good. It's the shaft that I'm using. So, uh, yep, let's move on from there. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. We'll see you next week.